So I've had lots of people sit in my office, confess all sorts of things. Never has anyone ever sat in my office and said I'm struggling with greed, ever. No one, because no one thinks that's them. And that's what Jesus is saying. It has this ability to blind us to think that, nah, it's not me, bro. Sweet as, like, mate, I give a little bit to Tiff fund or whatever. I pop, you know, my $3 in the bucket as it goes around and to purge the guilt for whatever. And it's like, you know, sweet as. We never think it's us. And, but God's like, he wants to, again, I know I'm hammering on the negative here, but Jesus has this beautiful combo going on where he's like, if your body's filled, if your eyes are filled with light, your whole body's filled with light. If your eyes are generous, then you're just, there's a health to you. And so this, we're gonna, this is all I'm going to say on this. You'll be pleased to know. It's not a whole sermon on it. But it is this kind of like invitation that Jesus has got for us where it's like get healthy in terms of the generous worldview. Because again, it's, you're all going to die. God bless you. Be encouraged. All of you are going to die. And you can't take it with you. Right? Bill Gates is going to die just like you. And that's it. Born, die, you're, we're all the same. In between hand, we have varying levels of, what, of, of dollars in the bank, but the point is all of us are called to be beautifully generous. That's the way to live life. And uh, can I just say that if you're struggling with this because you think you've got no money, start with just a little bit. Everyone, every single person has the capacity to just be, a, and I think God will really appreciate that because it will cost you a bit more. I'm just going to give that five bucks even though our budget's super tight. Jesus loved that sort of generosity. And it's just about the next click. I just want to keep journeying in this. What's the next click for you on this to get healthy? All right, that's what we're going to say on that. Now let's move on to the next bit. Do not worry. Again, if this is a... um, (laughs) Good luck, by the way. I'm reading this one, everyone, especially you guys. All right. um, uh, Okay, therefore... I'm going to get the binoculars out myself. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. So in the context of this money thing, because people were hearing this and probably started like getting twitchy, like, oh man, like, oh, whoa, whoa. And then he's like, don't worry, immediately, do not worry about your life and what you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life And why worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, but... Uh, And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's a really powerful text, and he basically repeats himself a little bit there, just trying to get the point home uh, around the proper worldview we can have when we're in right relationship with God. He gives us the proper worldview we can have. Now, we're all hypocrites in transition. That's Bay Vineyard's unofficial motto, hashtag hypocrites in transition. So as we look through some of this stuff, we're all going to be in varying places in terms of how difficult this is to hear, Jesus' words on this. But that's okay, because he's for you, and he wants to lead you to life. As I've said every Sunday, just about everything Jesus says is motivated by love and leads us to life. So let's have a look. Jesus says eight kind of things that 
help us get free from anxiety and the worry that so often can consume us. And so the first thing he says is that life is more than food and clothing. Um, And so... (laughs) Some of you guys have got memories flooding back to you. The funny thing is, right, I mean, no, you guys can't see this way over there, but there's a picture of some 80s guys on some 80s clothes, is that, so Jesus is like, life is more than just a food and clothing thing, right? So again, you get free over time with this, but it's like there can be that phase in your teenage years where what you wear is a big deal. It's like, I've got to wear the cool clothes, otherwise I'm a loser. And it's like, life is about clothing, and you've got to just have the right stuff. And, uh, and food, I'm all about that. I'm like, Jesus, slow down, bro. Stop, stop it, man. Like, we're not going to hit that one too hard today because, you know. But again, all of this is, Jesus is so, what he's saying is so cool here because, again, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things were added unto you. So it's not that these things are bad. If you enjoy clothes, fine, but it, don't make it your life is what Jesus is saying. Put it in its right place. And the right place begins in right relationship with God. And basically, for some of us, we probably need to hear this. You don't have to worry about whether you can afford that new dress. He wants to free you from that because life is not about that. And if you get to the end of your life and you look back and you think, I just pursued all that stuff that was meaningless, you're going to regret it. Jesus doesn't want you to live like that. So he says these sort of statements. So the first way uh, to kind of expose some of the anxiety and worry is to say life isn't about that. Let's get that perspective. This is the way of Jesus has the perspective that it doesn't, it's not a big deal. Okay? All right. Then he goes, uh, I'm going to... I'm going to fast forward a little bit here. Verse 26, uh, Jesus says that God looks after his creatures. Um, Again, this helps us get life in perspective. Because I remember, as I was preparing this, I had this memory of when I was a teenager. um, And I remember I was driving along the Petone foreshore. And I have no idea what was going on in my life at the time. but But I was really burdened. Like I just was really, and I look, I know, it must be, I can't, I don't know, I think I had an assignment due or an exam I wasn't ready for. It will be something like that. But I was really like, oh man, life's tough, you know. And I remember looking and seeing these seagulls flying around on the Batoni foreshore as we drove to visit my friend in Wanyuamata. And, um, and I was like, oh man, I'd just love to be a seagull today, just like carefree and just cruising. And, and Jesus is effectively saying that point. Like, check out all of these animals and all of these creatures that God looks after who aren't struggling with anxiety disorders. (laughs) And look at the way that God's looking after them and providing for them. You're going to be okay because you're more valuable than they are to him. And so, again, it's this perspective Jesus is trying to give us because, again, that anxiety and that worry has its roots in just going, can I trust in him and is it going to be okay? And therefore, I need to control as much as I can. And because I can't, I'm going to get anxious and I'm going to worry. And he's like, no, look at the birds, look at the lilies. And I love the thought of Jesus doing this himself. Like Jesus isn't just shooting from the hip like I do most Sundays. He's like Jesus would have spent time looking at that. Like I just picture Jesus like looking at a lily, just going, "Wow!" And I'm like, "What? <laughs> oh, bro, amazing! They get a little close." And Jesus was so present to all of the beauty and creation that His heavenly Father had made, and that gave Him a worldview that says we can relax. It's going to be okay. 
Verse 27, the third thing Jesus says that helps us is that stewing doesn't change anything. Uh, it's like we, you know, there's certainly, like, the danger in, in jumping into these texts is that you've got to understand that, that Jesus is speaking a sermon in the context of a whole lot of chapters we haven't looked at and in the context of a great big book called the Bible. So I want to just have a little asterisk mark here. I'm not saying that if you worry, you're sinful. That's not right. Sometimes you should worry. Like, you know, like if that wave's about to, to get you, you should worry, bro, paddle, you know. It's like don't just relax, like do something to get yourself out of that pickle uh, and insert metaphor here in terms of what that means. Sometimes it's like, yeah, it's of course we're going to worry. So Jesus isn't saying, you know, don't worry, be happy about everything in your life. Of course not. There's a whole book in the Bible around the wisdom, Proverbs, around what, like wise choices. And sometimes you've got to process and work out how you can get out of the pickle that you've got yourself in. But often the last thing we do is turn to God rather than the first thing to do is to get onto our knees, right? So I do this all the time. I mean, we've had some financial you know, stresses over the last year as we've lived by faith and planted the church and just bought a house recently and the cars broke down. You know, you'd like, and then so often I catch myself and I'm like, man, why is it the last thing I do is pray? First thing I do is try and work out, you know, should we pillage the boys' special savings accounts and should we cancel Christmas? And kind of like working all these last kind of freak out kind of things, and it's like, well, no, let's get on our knees and pray and just trust that God's a good provider. Because, because, and it's okay to process and to work through all that stuff. What Jesus is challenging is this point where it clicks over to self-indulgence because it ceases to be productive. And we all do this to varying degrees, where we worry about things so much that we cease to be present to the relationships in front of us and to God's good provision right in front of us, and we live in the space of anxiety and worry when it's not the time to be anxious and worry. And it doesn't change the situation. So there's a certain amount of processing and wisdom that you've got to do. I suggest like journal, write down some stuff, do you know, talk to somebody, get it out, whatever. That's fine. But at a certain point, you've got to park it. And say, it's not helpful anymore, and it's actually going to rob you of relationship if you're lost in this space, where it doesn't actually change anything. It doesn't add an hour to your life. It's not going to solve anything, stewing on it even more. And so there's a mental muscle that we can grow stronger in that Jesus is inviting us to lower the anxiety by parking it and choosing not to think about it. And if you're worried that you're going to forget what you're worried about, write it down. (laughs) Then you can come back, because otherwise there's a vicious cycle of worrying continuing. Does that make sense? Okay, so so stewing doesn't change anything. All right. Um, Fourth thing that uh, Jesus says here is that God delights to adorn. And again, uh, the lilies thing, and he's like, look at how well God has provided for nature. How much more is he going to provide for you? And again, you've got to walk the radical middle here in terms of understanding the nature of God. He isn't Father Christmas, but he is a good father. So there are times where it's like, where are you, Lord, with suffering? And the Bible's filled with stories like that, but we still choose to trust in you. One of Job's greatest moments, though you slay me, I will still trust you, God. I'm going to trust you even though all my circumstances are crazy. But then we can slide so far the other way that it's like unless we're suffering and in poverty and having a mirror, 
then, you know, we're, we're not doing very well as a Christian. You know, we've got to be in that place. Like, no, that's not right either. He's a good father. Paul knew the art of being content and plenty or lack, and that's the place we can come to where we can be at peace. But let me tell you from personal experience that we've seen his provision over and over and over and over again. Like, radical provision. He's so good at clothing. He's so good at clothing us with the things that we need. And, it's, uh, and so pray, like bring it to God. It lowers the anxiety, trust me. If there's something that you're carrying this morning, Jesus is like, come to me and learn to rest and just be at peace. But give it to me. He is like, again, all of this boils down to trust in him. If we believe he's the creator of the universe and we have access to him, that's going to chill us out about the car bill we've got to pay next week. Right? So we can pray, Lord, I need your provision. And this is personally we do. Lord, we need your provision. Got a car in the shop right now. Lord, need your provision. <laughs> and uh, anyway, that's a whole other story. Bought a, bought a house the same week. The car broke down. Awesome. Okay. Um, and how great thou art. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds singing sweetly in the trees, when I look down from the lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze, then sings my soul how great thou art. Good perspective for the follower of Jesus to have. If I'm worried, I can look at the lilies in the field and go, that's who my God is, and he can look after me. Awesome. Healthy concern. There we go. Good. Yeah, it's a good line. Well, here we go. The next point is this. Unbelievers have an unhealthy concern uh, for all this stuff. And so Jesus says, uh, and, he, and again, um, I, I, don't, I felt awkward as even as I prepared this, but Jesus said it. Because I don't like, the, the danger in the church sometimes is we can think we're superior to everyone else. And we're not. We're here to humbly serve the love of Jesus to our community. But what Jesus is saying is that when you choose to follow him and in, uh, you're in relationship with him, you start to develop a different worldview that is different to the worldview of our culture. This is what he's saying here. And so again, if we have a worldview that says he's our heavenly father, he's the creator of the universe, and I can be in communion with him, we should have a different perspective and worldview than the average punter whose worldview is shaped by advertisements and Instagram we were constantly thinking we have lack, okay? So Jesus is saying, you know, it's the pagans that pursue all that stuff. We are not that people. And he goes on to say what the priority is in a minute. The point six, again, which is somewhat similar, is that your father knows all that you need. And so he's a good father. We can trust in him. And then lastly, to round it all off brilliantly, and he is the master communicator. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. This is the way followers of Jesus are called to live. I am going to make the priority of my life to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. What are those two things? The kingdom is the rule and reign of God. The kingdom is when the world is the way it should be, and we get glimpses of it here on earth. The prayer, at the heart of the Lord's prayer, Lord, would your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Would that future reality break into the present in terms of relationships, in terms of poverty, in terms of all equality, all of that stuff? Lord, would it break into the present? And so the follower of Jesus in every place that he's got us, in our workplaces, in our families, everywhere, like it's the kingdom of God I'm seeking. 
And so we, as followers of Jesus, because we are passionate about the kingdom of God, as followers of Jesus, in our workplace, we, go, we get alongside the person who's marginalised and who's a bit difficult because they're quirky and we love them to bits. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. That's what a follower of Jesus does. We are, the, we are going to bless Marae Nui with everything we have over as, as long as we've got Bay Vineyard here. That's, I'm convinced more and more. We are called as a little church here to bless Marae Nui. And not because it's like, it's like we want to march. <laughs> the last thing we're going to do is march on in <laughs> and go, we're going to fix you. <laughs> okay, because... There's a little bit in our history that would, would probably <laughs> hit some bruises, right? Kapai, I mean, it's like we're not going to, what we're going to do is we're going to pick up a towel and we're going to serve and we're going to love and we're going to bless and we're going to get underneath and we're going to lift up and we're going to pray for. That's because we want to seek the kingdom of God for Marae Nui. That's why we're going to worship there next Sunday. And I, if you've got, I don't know if you're fearful about walking into Marae Nui, deal with it. You'll be fine. <laughs> You've got Bruce there. You've got Andre. On, do you mind standing up, Andre? Andre, look. Andre's going to look after you, okay? <laughs> he makes me feel real safe, okay? So Andre's sweet. Sean's all good. He's his little Rob. He's like Robin to Batman. He's there charging around, so it's all good. We're, we'll be fine. But here's the thing. It's going to be beautiful to worship in that place. And we're not going. We've been invited by those organising the event to come. So, and we're just going to worship, and we're going to hear some testimonies, and we're going to sing joy to the world, and we're going to do all that stuff, because this, and there's going to see something of the kingdom break in there. We're going to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And so what is that? It's that right living. I loved what Keith said about, you know, some, Paul, we all resonate with it. It's like, sometimes I do what I should do, other times I do what I shouldn't do, and I'm torn, and all that sort of stuff. It's like, yes, that's us, right? But... The follower of Jesus is going, I'm going to seek that righteousness. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to just go after that right living so that increasingly I can live in harmony with God and with the world around me. Because the more that you choose his way, the more the peace and the life of God floods your very life. The more we rebel against that and choose our own way, it pollutes our soul and disconnects us from God and from the world around us, and it gets messy quick. So we keep coming to the table. Thank you for your grace and mercy, but I'm going to pursue, I'm going to seek your righteousness. And so that is the, the big invitation of God here is that we would live like that. And everything in me would love to just define the kingdom of God into three bullet points and say, go do that. But Jesus didn't speak like that. He spoke in all sorts of parables and metaphors and gave lots of stories, and then we had to chew on it and work it out into, in our context, in our family, in our workplace with our gifts. And so your job is to work out what does it look like to pursue the kingdom of God and to seek his righteousness in your context. I can't do that for you. I can help, we can get the scriptures up, and we can, but I can't apply it to your context. And at the end of the Sermon of the Mount, which we can't look at because we're going to do this at the end of chapter 7 sometime next year, but the key statement Jesus says is that if you apply my words to your life, you're like a man building his house on the rock. 
It was all about the application for Jesus. He'd done this whole message. We've just spent ages, and there's so much in it. And the disciples, by the end of it, would have been like, whoa, the temptation is to walk away and live the same. And Jesus can feel that at the end of preaching his message. And he's like, it's not about hearing more Scripture. It's about applying it to our lives that then changes our world and the world around us. And so my challenge for you was to get into the Word of God. And to look at those parables of what the kingdom looks like. And to wrestle with what it looks like in your context to try and live that out more and more. Why? Because you want to be a person who seeks the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it will be the most satisfying life you can live. I come into land with this, but you've heard me say this a few times. One of the commentaries I've been in as I've been preparing and working through the Sermon on the Mount is by Jonathan Pennington who wrote this commentary called The Sermon on the Mount and Human Flourishing. And I've said this a few times, but I love that title because it captures what Jesus is trying to say in the Sermon on the Mount brilliantly. He is inviting us into the flourishing life. All of this stuff, if we could apply it, would see us really flourish. And ultimately, it comes down to faith. Do I trust in him? Do I trust in him and his nature and his character? Or do I think prayers are just some weird religious thing bouncing off the ceiling? Right? We can be honest. We're all, I mean, I sometimes think, I'm like, is this even helping? Is it doing anything? And then, like, uh, when you pray, coincidences happen, right? And it's like, oh, okay, well, there we go. But I'm just telling you, the more that we just allow our faith in God to result in, in prayers that just reflect a heart that trusts in Him, the more we flourish. And He deals with our heart as we do that. So all of the Sermon on the Mount starts to become something that we experience, the Beatitudes pursuing justice, walking in humility, the things, the brokenness within us, the lust and the murder and all of that stuff. When we start dealing with our heart, all of a sudden, the stuff, he wants our hearts, friends. That's the Sermon on the mountain in a nutshell. He wants our hearts and he wants them to flourish. And so let's just come into land this morning by just inviting the Holy Spirit, just as we're seated, to come and minister to us. There may be an area of our life uh, that we uh, have an unhealthy concern. I love that. An unhealthy concern. There's some things we should be rightly concerned about. An unhealthy concern. What a great way of putting it. And so let's invite the Holy Spirit just to come and just reveal again who the Father is. And let's bring those things to the Lord in prayer ourselves. Lord, just come. Holy Spirit, we welcome you once more and just say you have just rights now to come into our hearts and into our minds and to bring revelation. Lord, just if there's things that have been an unhealthy concern for us, uh, Lord, I pray that you would just set us free this morning. Just give us a new perspective about who you are, revealed through nature, just revealed through your word this morning. Come, Lord Jesus. And if there's things that you're carrying in your heart this morning, why don't you lift them silently to the Lord in prayer? Just ask him into those circumstances, into that place, and just rest in his presence as you bring them to him, knowing that he cares, that he's a good father, and that he he just is so for you and delights in you, and that you're just so precious to him. So just sit with him this morning and share the things that you've just felt concerned about, things that have caused you to worry.
So Lord, we just give these things to you. And ask, Lord God, that you'll come and step into all of these situations. Father, I ask that you'd help us to trust in you. Help us to trust in you. Lord, with these different circumstances and different things that we carry this morning, help us to trust in you, that you can step into these circumstances, step into these places and lead us into places of peace. And so, Father, would you come and would you just bring your peace into our hearts and minds afresh this morning? And would we just know just how loved we are? And would we just be able to rest in your presence more and more? And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to apply your, your word and uh, this teaching uh, every day. Lord, not just on a Sunday morning, but help us tomorrow to be people that seek after your kingdom and seek after your righteousness, Father. Help us, Lord. Lord, empower us by your spirit to be transformed from glory to glory, as the scriptures say that we'd become more like you and know your peace in your life increasingly in our own lives. So we bless you, Lord. We thank you that everything you say is motivated by love and leads us to life. And Lord, would we know that life more and more and more may it be experienced and be tangible for every one of us we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful.